this is no, this is the media majors the podcast. Stop singing! Stop singing with the beat. This is media majors. I'm Liam Senior. This is Tom Lockney. Tom, Jesus Christ! This is the this is the this is the theme. This is gonna be the theme of the podcast, and you are singing over it. Never. This is media majors. There's a a chill in the air. Maybe. Burr. Yeah, God. Ooh. And there's a, go- oh my goodness, I'm covered in goosebumps. <laughs> I thought you were gonna say you're covered in ghouls. Well, that too. I'm being I'm being gangbanged by ghouls. It is the Media Majors Halloween episode that probably a real lucky Pierre. <laughs> I was about to say that one probably won't come out on Halloween, uh, but maybe it's close enough. And also, apparently, is the, our version of creepy is getting gangbanged by ghouls. Yep. This is Media Majors, a storytelling podcast about uh, major media. My interest is video games and internet culture. I like uh, rabid reindeer, um, uh, kind of like unexpected twisty stock market stories, but mostly I I talk about TVs and movies. And I'm going first this week. Liam Sr. That is what they call me. Do you know a man named Jeff Gerstman? Uh, Like personally? No. And professionally and publicly, no also. Okay, good, because I'm going to tell you who he is. Jeff Gersman is a veteran games journo, currently working at GiantBomb.com, which he co-founded. Okay. Before they let him on, it was going to be called ReasonablySizedBomb.com. Yeah. Small bomb. Itty bitty bomb. Itty bitty titty committee bomb.com. I hate the phrase itty bitty titty committee, <laughs> mostly because I've been put to trial by them so many times. <laughs> He's kind of a celebrity journalist. He's appeared on Good Morning America one time back in 99. Wow. Fuck. Yeah, he's he's one of uh, games journalism's great personalities. GMA 99. That's um, Diane Sawyer years, probably. Yeah. Oh, I'm sure it was uh, awkward as hell. He began his career in the early 90s, signing on as a GameSpot intern in 1996, eventually becoming their editorial director. Oh my. Yeah. And then he enjoys... Long walks on the beach. A little over a decade, working at GameSpot, garnering clout and acclaim. And then, on November 28th... Hang on a second, I'm going to borrow your bit. November 28th! 2007! Ah, uh, yay, the bit I stole from the dollop. <laughs> Jeff Gerstman is fired. Oh, my. It catches everybody by surprise, Gerstman included. Uh, he, he's described this as uh, just sort of being pulled into a room, being told that he was fired effective immediately, and then being asked to leave the room. No one really knows why at first. And then, one of Gerstman's reviews disappears and then reappears whoa with a lot of the negative text removed what a shitty magic trick i'm gonna i'm going to make critical journalism disappear wait like the concept forever yes yes this is great i love this magic trick so far the corresponding video review also vanishes without a trace my goodness the review was of a game called kane and lynch dead men which you'll remember we talked about that before on the video game adaption episode. Yeah, it's a, it's a it's a Michael Mann inspired criminal game. Cool. <laughs> you know, like every video game. Like every basically. video game is all ripped off from. Well, listen, Tom. There are only three stories: Man versus God, Michael Mann versus God, and <laughs> Man versus Michael Mann. And then you start getting into the Michael Mann multiverse, and then things get really. Oh, weird. the the Maniverse. <laughs> Kane and Lynch Dead Men was developed by IO Interactive. Gerstman gave it a 6.0 out of 10, otherwise known as a fair on GameSpot's website. By Ayatollah Interactive. Eyebrows raise and wild (laughs) speculation occurs because at around the time of release, Uh publishing company Eidos Interactive, known for games like Tomb Raider, Hitman, and Deus Ex, Mm -hmm. had been pouring uh, no small amount of advertising revenue into GameSpot, giving the website... An entirely unique Kanan Lynch-themed layout. Oof, doof. Yeah, not a good look. Not a very, not a very good not look. Not a, not a slimming uh, suit jacket. Yeah, and 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 by the way, a brief aside about advertising. Don Draper, man. 
Don Draper. John. Hey, hey, John. Call me. <laughs> People uh, are constantly uh, think that that games journalist websites are on the take mm-hmm. because games advertise on them, and uh, that's stupid and misinformed. Like. Fight Club isn't on the take because it's full of Pepsi product placement. Like it's, it's a way for them to generate money. And I'll get into this a little more later in the story, but it's not as cut and dry as, oh, GameSpot was on the take from IDOS Interactive and well, and it's like okay, Jeff Grossman out on the street because of it. It's like I hate advertisement. Of course, everyone hates commercials. Everyone hates ads, but. We live in, unfortunately, we live in a world that, and this has been happening since the 60s, that, like, ads dictate an incredible amount of revenue. And unfortunately, yeah. we have to play the game. And and that's why we take sponsorships from people that, that make you sacrifice your newborn or put a piece of holy cloth into your penis. We'll get into this week's sponsor. It's probably going to be a doozy. <laughs> oh, well, goody. So... The community, the gaming community at large, begins to accuse GameSpot of, of, like I've said, being on the take, colluding with IDOS Interactive, uh-huh. basically saying that they fired Gerstmann for giving this game a negative review. And under this public scrutiny, GameSpot releases an official statement addressing these accusations. Quote, Jeff's supervisors and select members of the edit team felt the review's negativity did not match its fair 6.0 rating. The copy was adjusted several days after its publication so that it better meshed with its score, which remained unchanged. The achievements and demerits it received were also left unaltered. Additionally, clarifications were made concerning the game's multiplayer mode and to include differences between the Xbox 360 and PS3 versions of the game. Concerning the video, quote, The video was taken down due to concerns of quality. Specifically, its audio was deemed inferior due to a faulty microphone. There were also concerns about the limited amount of footage, which was unrepresentative of the game in the review. And also, Mario wasn't in it. Thumbs down. I like Red Plummerman. Also, Mario Hentai was not in it. Mario Hentai was definitely the most experimental of the Paper Mario games, but it might be my favorite. If you think, if you think this podcast is not going to lead to a hentai episode one day, you're another fucking You're a fucking idiot. Fucking moron. <laughs> oh, what tangled webs we weave. So yeah, those tangled tentacles involved in <laughs> hentai that we're going to talk about in the future. So, th- this is concerning as far as the video goes, uh GameSpot's statement is actually true i I, i've seen the video and it's not great it's not what you'd call great the audio quality is uncharacteristically shitty and the again like the game footage is not relevant a pet peeve of mine is whenever somebody on youtube is like making a critical game review and they don't put fucking relative game footage or irrelevant game footage on it oh it's so easy to get Guys, Tom is crying right now. The story is just choking him up. So the story on the video <laughs> review, the statement on the video review holds water. But but uh, concerning the first statement about the, the rating, punishing somebody for giving uh, their opinion or a bad review, they're tacitly admitting that they were displeased with his review in in some sense and that the reprimand was related even if they're not outright saying he gave a bad review and he's getting fired it was this whole situation was poorly handled hey guys i uh i did my job the job that i do i did it all right well you're fired what why well we didn't like how you did your job shortly after gersman's departure co-worker alex navarro leaves as well saying quote ah dave navarro's brother quote i felt like it was just time for me to go. Certainly the decision to leave had a lot to do with the whole Jeff situation. And also I had to get dinner with Dave and Carmen Electra, his wife. I wouldn't have left if this situation hadn't gone down the way it did. Listeners, Sometimes right back- you just realize a place isn't for you anymore, you know? I'm sorry, say what you- 
Oh, no, it's fine. Just listeners should let me know if Dave Navarro is still married to Carmen Electra, if they were ever married. I'm too lazy to look it up, and I'm afraid if I uh, say his name one more time, he's going to appear behind me. (laughs) Concerning his fellow co-workers, quote, There are a lot of people over there still trying to work hard and get through this. Keep the name and the reputation of the site alive. Obviously, that's not an easy thing right now, but they're still working their asses off trying to keep the dream alive. And when asked if anyone else was considering leaving, he said, I wouldn't be shocked, but I can't say I out and out expect it. Ryan Davis, Brad Shoemaker, and Vinnie Caravella also leave GameSpot, citing frustrations that they could no longer work for a publication that was perceived as having caved in to advertiser pressure. So we've got a, we've got a real rat pack here, except maybe less sexist uh, and gross and horrible. And oh, no, no mob connections. Although, 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 you'd be forgiven if, if, if you thought that they had whacked somebody. Important reminder. Uh, none of the collusion allegations are confirmed at this point. It's all tied up in the legal and no one can definitively say what happened. Because both Gerstmann and GameSpot, uh, the, uh, GameSpot's parent company, CNET specifically, have signed a non-disparagement agreement couching this situation firmly in... Our favorite term, friend of the show, allegedly. 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 Come, allegedly. Sit, sit with us, old friend, allegedly. Take any glass from the counter. Pour yourself some water or mead. Put some cocaine on your dick. Don't allegedly. Do, don't do that, allegedly. Would you like to fuck this 13-year-old? Allegedly. allegedly. <laughs> well, welcome to, welcome to media majors. It's like hostile. Murder people. <laughs> allegedly. Just put allegedly at the end of every sentence, and no one can convict you for it. You'll be like the Oregon militia. Welcome to Charles Manson's Cocaine Nightmare Podcast, a.k.a. Media (laughs) Majors. Hey, do you not listen to white people talk about fucked up shit enough? Listen to Media Majors, where all we do is depress each other and get drunk. Oh, God. Allegedly. Allegedly. Speaking of white dudes getting drunk, Uh uh, Gersman kind of spirals for a bit after this. He's spoken about this post-GameSpot period on, um, on, on the, most notably on the Giant Bomb Weed 3 2016 livestream. He talks about, uh, basically he'd just go to the liquor store, pick up a couple of 40s, and, and just, like, drink all day. What type of 40s? Colt 45? Old English? I think, I think it was Colt 45. So oh, so. no. Come on. Old the English only, the The only uh, 40s that they sold in my college town were Cobras. And so constantly, constantly, like on a weekend basis, you'd see shit in the, in the, they called it the village record, which is whenever campus safety would get called dumb fucking hipster idiots doing, uh, Edward 40 hands would like smash, get drunk, like accidentally smash a bottle and just slice their hands up. Fucking don't do Edward 40 hands. It's no fun. Then after a few months. Gerstmann announces that he and his fellow GameSpot expats are launching a new gaming website, which is now known as GiantBomb.com. Giant Bomb! Exactly. The dust settles. Everybody lets everybody live. Actually, it's like a bad breakup. It's like a bad breakup. Where clearly, like, one person... Because everyone's horny and sad? Yes. Everybody's horny. Everybody... Oh, everybody's horny for that ad revenue. So everybody's everybody's letting everybody live. There's this like kind of uncomfortable tension where everybody's like, it's it's yeah, it's like being at a party where it's like, oh shit, like Susie fucked Mary, and then Mary got pissed at Susie because Susie fucked Sean. Like, whoa, Susie at the same night, fucking Sue. All right, well, one respect for Susie because like game recognized game, but two like. <laughs> You got to remember, like, okay, I know that we're in this type of, you know, you know, women empowerment era, but people you have sex with are still people. And I feel like we don't talk about that enough. So, so there's this, like, weird, awkward tension, perceived tension uh, that, that people read into the whole, the cultural landscape. Oh, God. And Please. then on March 15th, 2012. All right, listen, a couple of notes. You gotta start the story with it, and it's gotta be unexpected. I'm stealing a very particular bit. On March 15, 2012, mm-hmm. uh, the world ends. <laughs> the day that'll live in infinity. 
and we all die, and that's why we're all in hell now, and that's why 2016 is the worst fucking year ever. Literally the worst year of all time. Name a year that's worse than 2016. You can't. You can't, you can't do it. Because your year didn't have uh, Pussy Grabbing and David Bowie dying within <sighs> months of each other. Giant Bomb announces that they've been acquired by CBS Interactive. Also known as Larger Explosive Thing. <laughs> Thank you, Tom. <laughs> that was the sound effect I was looking for. Should we just become a Zoo Crew morning radio show? Yes. You're listening to Dab and Leave in the morning. Later, we're going to make a bunch of fart noises while we degrade a woman. Ah! Ah! Orgasm noise. Perfect. Cut, oh. print, send it to Stern. God, you want to talk about a fucking ghoulish bit on a Howard Stern? There is... There's ah, a... No, 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 no. We can't, I, I can't talk about Howard Stern or I'm going to get angry. <laughs> okay, so on March in 2012, Giant Bomb announces that they've been acquired by CBS Interactive, owners of CNET, which you'll remember as the owners of GameSpot. Yep. So now, Giant Bomb is working alongside GameSpot. They remain Giant Bomb, but it's, it's under the CNET corporate umbrella. And as part of this deal, the non-disparagement agreement nullified uh-oh gerstman appears that very same night gerstman appears that very same night on GameSpot's on the spot web show alongside GameSpot vp john davidson to discuss the nature of his termination turns out everybody was right but there were other contributing factors that complicate the situation GameSpot was facing pressure from sony uh, there were threats of pulling ad money due to another negative review of Ratchet and Clank Future Tools of Destruction, a review mm-hmm. not written by Gersman. Additionally, a GameSpot had just reorganized, changing the review methodology in a way that may have pushed review scores down during this growth period. Uh, they had also brought on a new management team that was unable to handle tension between the marketing and editorial staff. By the way, all this is from Gersman's mouth. Gersman's mouth and, and his titty. His <laughs> itty-bitty titty committee. What? You just did your first Herald. That's an improv joke. Don't worry about it. Uh, Gersman drags the marketing staff specifically, saying that they were unprepared to handle publisher complaints over low review scores and that they were too spooked by the threat of pulled advertisement revenue. I don't, but th- I, I just, that sounds like you're, I don't think the marketing team gives a flying fuck about that. They, as someone who's, I once interned for Marvel, so I've like worked with the marketing team, and literally they, they just care about marketing. Well, with games, this isn't, and, and Gersman talked about this, this is not uncommon at all. Publishers bristle at, at, negative reviews and it affects the relationship between certain outlets and certain publishers and that's why we're going to talk about this in a hot second bethesda has just recently announced that they're no longer going to be providing review copies to the press see that's interesting because av club a site i really like will constantly do featured ads for tv shows and movies and then like if they're bad totally dig into them and it doesn't seem like it affects their relationship with the production companies. I, I, and I know it's a completely different field. I just think it's an interesting comparison. Yeah, yeah, He also makes clear, Gersman also makes clear, that the GameSpot editorial management was not to blame for his termination. He was fired by uh, more senior folks higher up on the corporate ladder. And that's the other thing, too, is the, the, the people that orchestrated his termination aren't well-versed in the industry of games journalism. They're, they're venture capitalists. They're investors who uh, look at something like this and go, oh, well, this guy's, this asshole's costing us money because we're getting ad revenue pulled, so we'll just fire him and hire somebody. There's a million fucking college students who will do this job for free and give high scores, uh, so why are we paying Boo. this guy? Yeah. That's, not... that's sort I mean, of the listen, the, the art of the... Of critique is is a fine line to dance between like subjectivity and you know being able to make a incisive analysis yes yeah and i think that you know i don't think i could do any form of critique professionally i don't think i'm i would be able to like give analysis that that 
I don't know. There's there's something. It's 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 such a it's such a we're we're quick to shit on it because it seems so easy because it's just like your opinion. But I think that there's like a real art to it, and I think there's a reason that certain people are really good at it, and it's not just a job everybody can do. So just hearing that bums me out because it's like no, I think people who I think it's a completely different writing, which is why I think there's no crossover because it's a uh, you know Roger Ebert is was not a good screenwriter. He wrote a movie and it's not great. Like yeah. he's just good at being able to be like some he's just good at being able to figure out what works and what doesn't in in movies, I guess. Yeah. And and, and I think about the same. I think about criticism all the time because I think I think I'm good at it. Yeah, and I mean, I think there's a reason that you're a video game criticist and I'm an aspiring dickbag. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, criticism criticism is definitely an art, and there's a lot of things to do. And this is why, by the way, a lot of um, hmm, how do I put this uh, politely? Fucking morons on the internet well, that get away polite. with just just like kind of screaming into a microphone for an hour. <laughs> well, being t- like Tom, <laughs> I hate I hate to inform you that <laughs> Oops. you look look at the sandbox that you are in fact playing in right now. <laughs> I'm talking. I'm talking specifically about like internet video game criticism, uh, <laughs> which which sort of begins with folks like the Nostalgia Critic, and whoa, uh, hold like, on a second. Nostalgia Critic did movies and TV. Anger Video Game Nerd well, did. No, no, no. I know. I know. Yeah, but, but I see. Oh, okay. The yeah. And yeah, and, yeah. and I think I think the the Nostalgia Critic is like i disagree with him sometimes but like i disagree I think with him that, all the time yeah i think i think that he at least uh understands how to to craft an opinion like he'll he'll oh yeah dude you're talking to someone who went through a big nostalgia critic phase in yeah. high school like he he'll he'll dress it up with like talking like like saying like this game is piss covered in shit uh but he actually like makes points that hold water whereas most internet video game criticism now is just like what's the longest string of insults you can level against a bad game how many times can i say fuck exactly it's not useful criticism so yeah criticism is difficult and and it's easy to get wrong uh and 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 misunderstand and that's part of what led to gersman's firing is because people venture capitalists who just see things in terms of of dollar signs and revenue investors don't understand that or maybe don't understand that firing a good critic like gersman ultimately hurts the industry uh, gersman by the way also makes it clear that uh, developer IO Interactive was not to blame either. During the on-the-spot special, and this is where the story's gonna end, is, is two quotes from Gersman. He discusses running into some IO Interactive developers at, the, at a gaming convention. Mm-hmm. Quote, I ran into them not too long after this all happened. A, a couple of guys who worked on the game. And they said, yeah, that game wasn't very good. I said, you should tell my old boss that. <laughs> and then finally, listen. I just want to put this stuff out there and move on. There's no problem at GameSpot editorially. If there was, I wouldn't be sitting here right now. And right now, we're in a landscape where, uh, like we were talking about earlier, YouTubers, the people who just kind of scream into a microphone. So so people like this, they're known as influencers now in the in the the Mary industry jargon i don't i don't hate i i don't disagree fundamentally with the idea of presenting like like yo like i love a good roast dude i i, I fucking love seeing shit where somebody's just tearing something to shreds but that's entertainment that's not criticism and criticism those aren't mutually exclusive like criticism can and i think should be entertaining but when you when you present like you can you can insult anything. You can you can point out stupid shit in anything, but but if you don't understand what something is doing and how it's doing it, that's not criticism. That's just an insult. And but but people have conflated the two like because like I said they're not mutually exclusive. And so now 
uh, publishers, what 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 the perception is right now is, is that games journalism is dying. It's not, by the way. Uh, talk to games journalists. Game journalism is is flourishing. That's why Vice is launching new gaming shit. Rolling Stone is launching launching new gaming shit. AV Club has Gameology. Yeah. Polygon is doing really well because they not only do game reviews but also have like original content that's pretty yeah. popular. Like some of the best video content on the web right now. I wouldn't. I wouldn't say. I wouldn't say it's d- dying. I'd say it's in like its own not a renaissance, but just like people are able to do some pretty fucking great shit and also if you want to read some non-video game amazing criticism the new york times review of guy fieri's new york restaurant is fucking magical oh my have God. you not read this i've not re- i don't think I've oh read my friend you have a fun read ahead of you awesome it's every it's only in questions <laughs> <laughs> so recently bethesda announced that it's not going to be putting out review copies for its upcoming games and um which is kind of weird dude yeah it's it's justification was that well everybody was skeptical when we didn't give review copies for doom until like the day before and that game was fucking great so suck it idiots and that's stupid Uh, they were like that game is still commercially and critically successful and it's like well first of all critically like it was a good game so of course it was critically successful and as far as the commercial aspect like it's a reboot of uh, of one of the most influential beloved series in gaming. That would be like that would be like being like I told you my Batman reboot was going to make a ton of money, you fucking asshole. Yeah, exactly. Like like just like everybody knew that Batman vs Superman was going to suck. But it's like one of the biggest blockbusters of the summer. Yeah. And how and how this relates to the Jeff Gersman issue is that there's there's Lots of publishers believe that they just kind of own video games. And in a lot of senses, they do. They do hold a lot of the power. But what Bethesda is doing is is bad. For, for It sets a bad precedent for the industry. And it's bad for consumers. Because, because what Bethesda is doing is getting away with releasing unfinished games. And I'm pretty skeptical of... of claims that games are released unfinished like people thought that dark souls 2 was unfinished and it's not it wasn't um but bethesda literally releases unfinished games skyrim uh, when i got skyrim on the ps3 there was like an entire half of the map that was just not available to me and there's still shit in that game on the ps3 version that that is just still busted and it's fallout so 4 and fallout uh, new don't vegas talk to me about fallout 4 uh, that was that game was six seconds of fun and then just grinding and i didn't even fucking know it yeah we know that when the publishers hold all the power it's bad for the industry gersman gersman gate was ultimately bad for the industry even though we got giant bomb out of it it kind of set this uncomfortable precedent where we were like whoa shit the publishers maybe hold a little more power than we thought and now there's all these conspiracy theories that games journalists are on the take all this bullshit it's just it's just bad it's just bad for the industry and that's my story uh great story tom but now it's time as it always is since episode eight to uh take take a bit of a commercial break a little bit of subversive, subversive advertising. Advertise. Let me turn off Adblock Plus. Hang on. Yeah, turn off dirt. By the way, don't listen to this podcast with Adblo- Adblock Plus, or a gremlin will come kill you. Yes. No, no, Nothing not a gremlin. I will come kill you. Dress as Dressed a gremlin. as a gremlin. Yeah. I might be going as a gremlin for Halloween. And do not feed me. Oh my God! Do not feed me or give me water after midnight. Because I will turn into an untold abomination. Here's my problem. Uh, after midnight, like every time is after midnight. Yeah, what, right. What, what, you, I, what does that mean? Yeah, give me something to work with, you old, you you weird, creepy old dude. Tom, what's the problem with body pillows, specifically ones with Japanese characters painted on them? Oh, wow, where do I start? Um. They're not wet enough. They're not wet. They're so. It's a real dry fuck. We actually have very different problems with it. Then <laughs> the, main, <laughs> the main problem is not its wetness. Pillows should never be wet. That's what you Just think. Just a little rule I like to live by. The problem is that 
uh, you're still interacting with a cold, lifeless being that can't love you. We've teamed up with a company called Hugs for Certain that puts a heater and arms on a body pillow so that it feels closest to a real hug for all you saddos out there. Well, hang on a second. You've not you've not answered the most important question. What's that, Tom? Can I still have sex with the body pillow? Well, of course you can still have sex with the body pillow. It's a I'm dumb question. I'm so lonely. I'm so lonely. I'm so, I'm so lonely, single. Tom. And no and it, what Hey, when they said you can't date an anime girl, they fucking lied cuz I just I just need to give my body pillow a voice. Well, here's well the, I'm glad you mentioned that. It also comes with a voice modulator. Unfortunately, you have to record everything yourself, so it's going to have your voice. Hey, but, hey you beautiful man. I already came. Um <laughs> and listen, I Maybe maybe you're not into women. Maybe you want a dude on your body pillow. Yeah. They got dudes. Not only do they got dudes, they have the only body pillow with anime Paul Giamatti on it. Whoa. Yeah. Whoa, hang on a second. We got to we got to take a break. I got to clean up here. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It was a real Jizzy Gillespie situation where you are. <laughs> Everything went sideways. We make the worst content on the internet. Yeah, we're the grossest. We're the troll. We are the little goblins or bridge trolls of the internet. Just making cum jokes in yeah, every episode. For certain. So use the code media majors and you'll get a three-armed body pillow. Use the code media majors on the on 8chan. <laughs> on their on their 8chan forum page yeah. and you'll get a Phoenix Wright body pillow. <laughs> That can hug you and love you and can get fully erect. Yeah. That's the third arm we were talking about. Oh, yeah. It's like a baby's arm. So you do anything fun for Halloween? Um, I'm gonna... 1977! In August 1977, single parent Peggy Hodgson called the police to her rented home in Enfield, England, after two of her four children claimed that the furniture was moving and knocking sounds were heard on walls. Ooh, the children oh. included a bunch of names. It doesn't fucking matter. Uh, <laughs> names, names, names. And later claimed include, allegedly, demonic voices, loud ones, thrown rocks and toys, overturned chairs, and children levitating. Reports of further incidents in the British newspaper, such as the Daily Mail and Daily Mirror, until the end in 1979. But all allegedly, right? This was known as the Enfield Incident. In 1988, British writer, British screenwriter Stephen Volk approached the BBC with an idea to adapt the Enfield Poltergeist into a six-episode miniseries. Volk pitched the BBC a six-part miniseries in 1988 about a roving paranormal investigation crew investigating basically the Enfield Poltergeist, but calling it a different thing. So, so and, like, like the newest season of American Horror Story, or that, um... My Roanoke Nightmare? No, it's a little different. Basically, so, so, he would, it would be about the ghost, and then it would end with a, like, haunted house segment, uh, where they would go through the live tour of the haunted house. That is, the, no, that is literally, like, My Roanoke Nightmare. Like, a dramatic, uh, a dramatic oh, reprisal, and then no, actually No, 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 not a, re- not a reprisal, because... Listen, this is where it gets different. The hmm. thing was, the BBC wasn't super enthused about doing a whole episode. A whole episode? Sorry, a whole how season. How many episodes? How many episodes? Six. A whole episode? How, how much of an episode, though? It would be an... In- well, sorry, I misspoke. A whole episode? I, totally, I misspoke. A whole episode. I can do a half episode. I will pay you to do a half episode. Three quarters? Ooh, we might have to haggle a little bit. Just a little bit. We might have to do okay, some t- okay. We might have to talk a little bit of turkey. You know what I'm Sorry. saying? We gotta he- talk a little bit of turkey. Okay, okay. He pitched six episodes. They said maybe <laughs> one. Just do a uh, a mockumentary. They agreed on basically a Halloween special that was gonna be a, a War of the World style um thing where it was like a, well, so like Blair a radio before, play almost but it was a, it was going to be televised so they wanted to okay. do it as if it was real that's fucking awesome it's pretty cool for volk it resented or volk volk it was it represented an opportunity to explore what he felt was the relative comfort of a television broadcast audiences went to horror films knowing what to expect they were going to be scared 
Yeah. But in television, he was able to kind of catch them off guard. He was able mm. to really subvert expectations. This was the early 90s. Television had pretty much remained consistent at this time. There weren't a lot of outliers. The Simpsons was yet to be on television, basically. So they wanted to make it as real as possible. And they wanted to scare the shit out of people. They didn't want to do tongue-in-cheek, and they didn't want to spoof them. They wanted oh, to scare them. I love that. So to add to credibility, uh, Stephen and director Leslie Manning structured it so two BBC presenters, Sarah Green and Craig Charles, would be installed at the early house. That they were going to go, the, they name was Early instead of Enfield. Yeah. While highly regarded broadcaster, professional broadcaster Michael Parkinson would anchor from the studio. So they used real fucking newscasters in this television show. That is awesome. How fucking great is that, right? That's so good. That's basically performance art at that point. Not only that, the two people that would go in the house were also children's TV show people. So kids would go to see it to tune in. He was trying to scare everybody. This is this is this is like what the Blair Witch Project did. Where, where when the where... Blair Witch people, I was gonna end it with this. When the Blair Witch people talked, did interviews, they mentioned seeing this thing as a huge inspiration. This is five years before. That's fucking awesome. Oh, it gets greater. The, it this is insane. It gets gooder. It oh, gets are you telling me it gets gooder. gooder? Gooder than greater than good. Gooder than greater than better. Let's so do it. So basically, they got kids to t- kids and adolescents to tune in because these were BBC people they grew up with, and adults to tune in because they got a professional broadcaster who told them the news every night. Actors portrayed members of the early family. They picked totally unknown actors to um, represent single mother Pam and daughter Suzanne and Kim, who reported incidents of strange activity in their home, including rattling, mysterious cat noises, and smashed dishes. What I like is they were just inspired by Enfield and totally decided to make up their own shit, though, which is more credit to, like, how creative this was. Yeah, that's awesome. It's a good choice how uh, uh they would um they called the ghost pipes that was the name of the ghost and the creature and they casted an actor for pipes so like people would end up seeing this horrifying creature uh, this is pipes this is pipes, this is pipes. Is here with his friends valves <laughs> and Steve. valves wheels tom you're gonna love this nuts and bolts there was one thing that the bbc didn't agree that they cut that they i think they really that volk really wanted and shows how committed he was Mm -hmm. he was gonna add a sound effect early on that only animals would be able to hear so that while they were watching it if their dog or cat were in the room the the animals would fucking freak out at one point for no reason that's so good why would you cut that because well tom the 90-minute film was a horror story shot in de- documentary style, and it appeared as part of the BBC drama series Screen One. So it wasn't even its own thing. It was brought as part of a series. This would be like if PBS did something like this. Like, that that's kind of the... the, the um, that's so yeah. good. This is brilliant. Parts of it were pre-taped, but the house stuff was a live on-air investigation of the house at which poltergeist activity was believed to be taking place. So this is also done in fucking real time with some pre-recorded bits here and there. Uh, through revealing footage and interviews with the neighbors and the family living there, they discover the existence of a malvillant ghost named Pipes, the children in the house. Uh, I think it's because, like, the mom said, oh, it's just the Pipes, so they decided to call it Pipes, which, hmm. like, cle- like, not only was this creepy, Steven is, like, a good writer. Like, yeah. like, there's some good stuff going on. Yeah. As the program proceeds, viewers learn that Pipes is the spirit of a psychologically disturbed man called Raymond Tunstall, himself believed to have been troubled by the spirits of Mother Seddens, a baby farmer turn- turned child killer from the 19th Hang on a second, century. hang on a second, hang on a second, hang on one, just one second. Yeah. What is a baby farmer? Oh, uh, you don't know what a baby farmer is? I what? do not know what a baby farmer is i can make some logical conjectures but i i'd really rather that you just told me a baby farmer is a really cute tot that goes out <laughs> yeah. in the fields every day and sows the seeds of corn and and grain i'm gonna google baby farmer but it's definitely just gonna be like a costume don't forget about sexy baby farmer oh nope nope 
First, first fucking thing on Google. Baby farming refers to the practice of accepting custody of an infant or child in exchange for payment in late Victoria air in Britain. Everyone talks about how, like, England is so smart. England's so sophisticated. My relatives are English. I've been to England a bunch of times. Fucking Brexit happened. They are a loud and dumb and ignorant people. Much like Americans. <laughs> Much like in Americans. The difference between the British, American, and the French is accents and nothing more. We are They're all racist, ass-backwards fuckwads. The only good people are in Scandinavia. I stand by that. And the only, sorry, the only good white people are in Scandinavia. And everywhere else, white people are awful. People of color are not because they're subjugated by white people. This is the truth. I preach. Also, baby farming is where wet nursing came from, which to me is also fucking weird. Yeah, okay. Okay, so, look, I mean, this is such great backstory. Uh, In the course of the program, Pipes makes various manifestations which become more bold and terrifying until, at the end, the frightened reporters realize that the program itself has been acting as a sort of seance through which Pipes was gaining horrific power. Whoa! It gets better. Finally, the spirit unleashes its power to its fullest extent, dragging host Sarah Green, the BBC host, out of sight behind a door, then escaping to express poltergeist activity throughout the country. He takes control of the BBC studios and transmitter network using the Ghost Watch, this was also called Ghost Watch, studio as a focal point, and then it ends with Michael Parkinson's becoming possessed by pipes. Michael fucking, that would be like if fucking Diane Sawyer, to reference her again, did a bit where it ended with her being possessed by a demon. How fucking brilliant that is some black mirror before black mirror shit that is charlie good how good is that i would if i was watching that i would be like i'm a huge horror junkie horror that's just where my mind lives if i had seen that i would I can't even describe to you the, the the like joy that I would be feeling. Well, Tom, nobody really expressed your same opinion. Literally, the second after it aired, the BBC received 30,000 phone calls complaining <laughs> about the show. Oh, no. It only aired once, October 31st, 1992. It has never been aired again in England. Tom... They had to go on TV the next day to explain that they were all fine. All three of the hosts. They had to go in and be like, no, we're fine. It was just a, it was just a thing. They had to show segments of Parkinson's reacting to the film, to the film and then taking calls. (laughs) You're going to look to add more to it. They had pre showed uh, pre taped call, uh, pre taped call in segments too and people would discuss their paranormal stuff. They also had a guy complain that this was all fake. So, like, a a paranormal expert who was like, no, this is all reasonable, just to add to, like... Add to the heightened reality. It even had a title card that was written by Volk, but it only appeared for a split second so that they could get away with it. And they treated it like a real horror movie. That's so good. Only showing fleeting glimpses for the first hour or so and then really amping it up in the last half hour. This reminds me of that um, Spanish film, uh, Wreck. Yeah, very Yeah, good. where, where it, it was like, this story is based off of true events. And I was pretty young when that came out, and I remember being like, holy shit, that's horrifying and awesome. Tom, the calls started also getting weirder. One viewer called in, and this is in the pre-tape segment, to talk about a, mur- a suicide committed in the home, that a mutilated dog corpse was found nearby, the children became crazy and disturbed. <laughs> Around an hour in, Parkinson even advised viewers they'd be preempting scheduled programming to remain with Green due to extraordinary events taking place. So they even said this was only supposed to take an hour and then did the extra 30 minutes just to fuck with people more. That's so that's so fucking good. So, as I said, no one else agreed with you. During the fo- during and following its first and only UK television broadcast, the show attracted a considerable furor, resulting in an estimated 30,000 calls to the BBC switchboard in a single hour. It has never been repeated on UK television. The broadcasters had just five operators standing by in phones. Once oh. the show went off air, a number oh, that was quickly overcome by 
thousands of calls flooded in. One re- one woman was reportedly so stressed out she went into labor. Another guy was so freaked out he shit his pants. And his wife called in to complain about it. <laughs> See, this is why <laughs> this is this is why I love horror. I love I love the horror genre because there's something so innately uh, punk rock about it. Well, Tom, the BBC didn't agree with you. The immediate show after was Bite Back, a BBC review where they criticized the station for rep- for its repu- using its reputation to fuel-, fuel viewers into thinking harm had come to everybody involved. Parapsychologist Susan Blackmore later said it treated the audience unfairly. It can be exciting to play on the edge of fantasy and reality or stretch the accepted norms of television conventions, but this was neither true to its format nor fun. It was horrid to watch the stress of girls, real or fake. I found it overlong, occasionally disgusting. The lack of adequate warnings was irresponsible. 18 months later, that's when doctors began to found out that there was PTSD cases related to this ghost watch show. Are you fucking kidding? Wait, really? Um, two 10-year-old boys were suffering from panic attacks and sleep disturbances because of the broadcast. And then, this one is very sad, an 18-year-old kid with learning disabilities who was not mentally equipped um, ended up killing himself because oh of the stress it caused him, which... I think is more of a uh, on the fault of the way we treat mental health care, not only in this country, but it's probably I would say it might even be even worse in England, where even though there's health care, it was bad for a long time. And the yeah. 90s were not helpful. I mean, the 90s were in England were like a big rave time. People were doing ecstasy and it's when street drugs like just hit a fucking zenith and England still hasn't recovered for that. And there ill-equipped to deal with a lot of this stuff not to end on a downer because i was gonna end it with the fact that the blair witch people (laughs) talked about it as an influence but we already talked about that yeah that's the end of my story a a kid killed himself man that's um i fucked that one up no i fucked it up for you because i love the blair witch project and i I brought it up, you know. That's just. just I think I saved it. I think I saved it by saying, "Hey, mental health. We need to focus better on." Yeah, we really, really do. I don't think you should blame art for. Art, art isn't art isn't. Tom, save me here. (laughs) Art isn't culturally blameless, but art isn't just something that that you just like take in because you have to and it affects your life like there's that fucking idiot asshole who was like the the logan movie's bullshit because his daughter is empowered how am i supposed to leave my fa- my house if all these feminists are ruining logan like literally he accuses feminism of uh uh, like hurting his physical and mental well-being and obviously obviously dumb asshole mra idiots on the fucking internet are not in any way uh equatable to somebody with a very real mental disability but if 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 you're a, if you're a good caretaker you know how to shelters not the right word you know how to not trigger somebody well that's that's my story well that that sounds uh the the bbc special sounds uh kind of brilliant and really subversive can i watch that anywhere is it online can it be found? Uh, yeah it's 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 easily gettable i feel like a lot of the bite will be taken out of it because it was made in 92 but what's it called again ghost watch ghost watch okay yeah and that brings us to uh the end of another episode of media majors liam plugs plugs um i mean if you can get this out i think yeah people this will be the last time i plug it because by the time we record uh it'll be it'll be it'll have happened basically next time um i wrote a play with my girlfriend it's called junk it's in the bad theater fest if you're in the new york area come see it google bad theater fest there's some other great stuff in our block on friday november 4th at 9 p.m it'll be a good time uh boys night video is pretty much on hiatus at this point uh but we still have some fun stuff on there and you should be able to find uh other shit 
that I, uh, I we have some other stuff down the pipes that we're gonna work on that isn't Poisonet related. Uh, I've released two music albums that you can get. I for, I keep forgetting to plug this. I make like trippy beats. If you're a high schooler that smokes a lot of weed and lives in the suburbs, you and I are gonna <laughs> get along swimmingly. Uh, I'm called Soar Dinosaur. Uh, S-O-A-R, Dinosaur. I have a band camp. You can get two albums there, and I should be releasing a third uh, in the next couple weeks. And I think... Oh, uh, go to MediaMajors.com. Uh, we have a, a Media Majors it's, Cast, isn't it? MediaMajorsCast.com, Media yes. Yeah. MediaMajorsCast.com. Um, yeah, and like spread the word. I think this is a really fun podcast, and I think more people should listen to it. I and agree. We'll We'll try to advertise ourselves more, but you know, you if, if anyone out there is listening, we'd we'd love for you to interact. Yeah. And Hashtag media majors on Twitter. Do, follow us. Do what you send can. us an email. You know, leave a whatever. review on iTunes. Yeah, yeah, that'd be awesome. All right, Tom. Uh, follow us on Twitter, media majors cast or at media majors cast. Uh, I'm Thomas Lockney on Twitter. L O U G H N E Y. It's all in the media majors cast Twitter. Yeah, exactly. Um, I write about games. Google my name with game informer or destructoid uh, as well uh i produce a series of analytical videos Jaboy explains the last one talks about inside how it's a marxist critique of class and industry and the new one coming out this very spooky halloween is all about dead rising and zombie fiction and games as satire uh, i think it's it's turning out really 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 well and i'm very excited for it Oh, I also host the Shmanime podcast with our good friend Eric. Please listen to that. It's yes, a lot you of do. Fun. Um, I to plug that. I think I, 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 oh, I also do music. I've released a couple of yeah. demos recently that I, I, I mean, they're obviously just demos, but I like them. I think they're good songs. And so Google Thomas Lockney SoundCloud and you'll find me. Um, I should I, say my music is is not me singing. It is trippy beats. So, um, thank you for listening to Media Majors. Yeah, it's awesome that you do that. If you do that, and as always and forever, we'll be there for you. For you, friends. <laughs>